Provoke podcast is brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialists, Marketeers. Support for this podcast comes from Notified, the integrated, intelligent and easy-to-use PR software. Get a free demo today at Notified.com. Welcome to the Provoke Media Podcast. I'm Arthi Shaw, Executive Editor for Provoke Media and the host for today's episode. So today we kick off a three-part series with Allison and Partners called License to Accelerate, Perspectives on the Future of Health. So as part of this series, we'll bring together perspectives from across the healthcare ecosystem, mental health, devices, chronic disease, and more um, to share sort of learnings over the, from, from the past year. Because as we, as we all know too well now, uh, the healthcare industry has experienced a tremendous level of, of, of progress and growth um, um, that we haven't seen in decades um, through, through this pandemic. So the first episode ties with May being Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, and we'll explore how the global health pandemic has impacted both awareness and action around, around mental health. So for today's episode, I have with me to here Stephanie Rogers, who's SVP of Communications and Marketing at the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. And I also have with me Michelle Webb, who is Managing Director of Health at Allison and Partners. Welcome, Stephanie and Michelle. Hi there. Thanks for Hi, having us. Thank you. And, yes, and- thank you. And I think um, we are we are co- we're covering um, a lot of geographies here because I'm of course um, dialing in from the San Francisco Bay Area and Michelle, you're um, on the East Coast somewhere. Yep, uh, a COVID refugee in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, by way of Brooklyn. <laughs> Very nice. I spent a summer in Chapel Hill. Freeze <laughs> PhDs. I loved it. Um, yeah, and Stephanie is joining us from Austin, Texas. Yes, I'll be staying in Austin for the next few months. It's been great to be near family during COVID. Yes, yes. Well, welcome, welcome to the show. And you know, you know, I would love to get a perspective from both of you about your experience and what you've seen in mental health and mental health communications during the pandemic. Stephanie, of course, you know, you have a really interesting perspective being working so directly in mental health. So I'd love to hear from you. And then Michelle, if you want to talk about kind of what you've seen more kind of at a higher level um, around the, the issue. Uh, Stephanie, would you like to start? Sure, I'll be happy to. Again, I'm Stephanie Rogers and I'm with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. And really during COVID as a, you know, as a field, we've really been leaning into this conversation around mental health and the importance that we all have mental health and the opportunity to really care for it during this time. And so in terms of our work, that's really where we've really shifted our messaging and our attention is giving people tools and language and ways of connecting with their friends, family, and in their workplaces. Yeah, I mean, I would think, I mean, you know, from your perspective, I mean, isolation has obviously been a big piece of it. And so how did that change? So, you know, prior to the pandemic, what were you addressing um, mostly? And then how did that shift during the pandemic? And as we are slowly crawling out of this, what do you, where do you expect your focus to be there? Sure. So prior to the pandemic, I mean, a lot of our work was, you know, our sweet spot is really in suicide prevention. And, you know, I feel like, you know, as as the the pandemic 
began and and became really a part of everybody's daily lives, we shifted our messaging more around mental health because we wanted people to understand the correlation between safeguarding your mental health um, so that suicide or a crisis was never never a challenge. And I think one of the ways that um, kind of that shifted is really about just leaning into our our workplace and our partnerships in workplaces and helping to guide them in terms of the way that they talked about mental health with their employees. And so what I would say as an organization is while our sweet spot was really in suicide prevention, this opportunity to to lean into mental health early and often was really the shift that we made. And now as we're kind of pulling out of the COVID and into this kind of new time, I think it's still the opportunity to lean into, into mental health. And I say this because we know that um, as people kind of recover from the trauma or the loss or the experience of COVID, it's really the time to self, uh, to really focus on self-care and to focus on, again, those conversations between your friends, family, and, and others, and staying connected to one another. So I, you know, from a mental health perspective, I don't think we're, I think that should continue to be a part of our, of our, of our dialogue, a part of our everyday. And so I don't see that going away anytime soon. I really see, um, as a culture, us becoming smarter and more comfortable in the space, and that's so good to see. And so I think it only, um, gives AFSP and others in our space the opportunity to really lean in and to continue to educate people about the importance of, of those um, kind of issues around mental health. Right. Well, that's, um, you know, I, I love your what you said about the trauma and loss, right, that we all experienced over the last 12 months and, and you know, addressing that collectively. Um, and, and, you know, maybe we can circle back to that as part of this conversation as sort of, you know, how can we collectively, sure. you know, culturally process what has happened and, and, and move forward because I'm sure there's a lot of emotions that people are feeling as they're, as they're kind of coming, coming out of this. Um, Michelle, what have you noticed um, kind of over, you know, from kind of from a bird's eye view around the way mental health has been addressed and talked about over the last 12 months? Yeah, I think, you know, I've been in healthcare for almost 20 years and I've, you know, like many other people that have been in this industry for a very long time, I've never seen this level of progress in this, you know, highly regulated, slow moving laggard of an industry. And it's, it's very encouraging, um, you know, at the crux of it is, is obviously telehealth and telemedicine and the mass proliferation and uptake of that technology. And it's kind of transferring into every subcategory of health. You know, you're seeing it in mental health, you're seeing it in tech, consumer tech, remote monitoring. It's kind of really got its claws at everything um, in, in the very best of ways. And people are kind of struggling. And, and I think it's a bit overwhelming for a lot of clients that we're working with, as well as just, you know, longtime heritage players in the industry. But in terms of mental health, you know, I think there's a really incredible conversation that is happening that is really kind of leveling the playing field for people. Um, I think that it's starting in this kind of mainstream conversation. Hopefully it will spill over into more of a, you know, higher acute um, settings where people are really dealing with some, um, you know, challenging conditions like schizophrenia and, you know, triggering uh, homelessness and, you know, all kinds of um, sort of more challenging places than, 
someone like me who's you know, experiencing burnout and at work and you know others like me but hopefully it can really transcend um, all kinds of categories and be a conversation that we are very comfortable having at all times um, i think there's been a real reduction in stigma um, but would love to see that transfer over into the more acute conditions and homelessness and and um, uh, you know addiction that kind of thing you know, I also like that you mentioned, you know, telehealth, and I'd love to at some point, you know, we can, we can talk about the impact that telehealth has had on sort of the accessibility of, of mental health resources. Um, so let's, let's, but I want to first sort of talk, address stigma, right, and talk about that. And, and, you know, that's been obviously a big challenge around mental health and, and, and even, you know, suicide prevention. And, you know, over the last 12 months, we've all collectively had this conversation about, about mental health, and and I will say, you know, and, and again, I don't know if this is geographically specific to being in the Bay Area, but I started noticing conversations around mental health even before the pandemic. I I sit down with with industry leaders um, in you know in the PR space, and many of them were talking to me about bringing in mental health resources to their workplaces even before the pandemic started. So I'm curious to know, like, you know, has the have the stigmas around around mental health changed? Um, and, and where are we now? Like, what are the biggest stigmas at this moment? And are they different than what they were, you know, even just a few years ago? Yeah, so for, for AFSP, I mean, I started working with the organization seven years ago in, in May. And I have definitely noticed a shift. Um, you know, in those early years at AFSP, it was, it was more about keeping it simple and making this, um, making sure that people understood what mental health was, what we what we mean by mental health. I think many of us do not talk about depression or anxiety using that language. We might say that we're, you know, feeling sad or that. You know, a, a younger person might say, well, I fa failed this test or I broke up with my boyfriend and I'm, you know, I'm feeling pretty lousy or they might ex be experiencing that but not know how to express it with their, their friends or family or um, certainly not in our workplaces. And I think um, what I've, I've noticed most recently with, with COVID is this interest in talking about it and understanding it um, culturally that's been really um, transforming the way, you know, as a, as a culture that we're addressing it. I, there's a, we work with media and entertainment um, a lot. Um, and in the early years, we would call them and express our, you know, we would say, gosh, I, you know, I wish this program or that program would, would shift their language. And so we would try to have these conversations and they wouldn't get very far, right? So, or even with journalists that were writing about, about mental health, but not always getting it, it right exactly. And so we would reach out to try to provide education. And that was pretty rough at first, um, just in terms of making the connection and and um, them, them being able to make those changes in their work. Today, there's been so many um, incoming um, requests and interest and workplaces coming to us, large workplaces coming to us saying, 
you know, how do we support our employees? How do we make sure that we're telling these stories well? And and journalists um, really wanting to make um, deeper connections within their stories about how they're uh, referring to mental health. Um, so our experts are, are doing double duty these days in terms of providing that kind of context and experience and and frankly you know i don't even when i think of the word stigma i don't even use it in our messaging ever i try to keep a, a very hopeful like upstream dialogue around mental health because i want people to know that we all have it um that it's okay to talk about it you think about you know the the time of when cancer and hiv was had a lot of stigma associated with it and we didn't talk about it and how that shifted today. I think mental health is in a, is in a similar transformation. And it's um, we know through research that the more we talk about mental health, the more we talk about suicide, it actually reduces the, the rate of suicide and it actually helps support mental health too, in terms of accessibility and affordability, and ultimately it will save lives. And so I, I think this new open dialogue around mental health that we're having as a culture and within workplaces and, and frankly within the media and entertainment um, landscape at large is really going to um, shift the way we, we talk about it as a, as a society. It's really great to see. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the the point about you know sort of the, you know there was a point where we didn't there wasn't a there wasn't a, a baseline understanding of what mental health meant and right and we progressed a long way and now there I think we're almost getting to this point where there's a universality like people the universality if I'm saying it right um, of mental health right that it touches all of us just like we all you know have to go in for a physical um, there's an, there's you know we should all be checking in with our sort of mental health as well and that seems like that's really picking up steam in a way that it, it hadn't. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, well, I guess, you know, actually, Michelle, do, did you want to add anything around, you know, mm -hmm. you know stigmas? So, so then let's, let's talk a little bit, you know, about the accessibility that we're talking about, because one of the, the, the challenges around mental health from, from, from what I've seen has been the accessibility of it in this country in particular. Um, is that shifting and is there, um, you know, has you know, is or, you know, breakthroughs like innovations like telehealth is that sort of changing the game around accessibility or employers providing um, mental health services in a, at a rate that you know seems higher than than part before the pandemic? So many layers to this. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's great that we're having a conversation about it, and it's you know, it's great that so many employers are stepping up. But you know, when it comes down to the policies that need to take shape and you know everything at the state level needs to be changed in terms of how how things are reimbursed i think telehealth is an incredible step forward um but again i think taking this conversation and this progress to scale requires more than telehealth you know because someone that is again deeply affected by um mental health conditions won't necessarily get the same level of support or you know help from a telehealth app that they would in person. Um, so again, very complicated. I know AFSP is, is doing work there as well, but that, that policy issue is, is very tied to the access piece. Right. Yeah, I will just um, echo what 
Michelle is saying in that I think with COVID, telehealth has made it more accessible and possible for and other apps. You know, I want to I want to give a shout out to the apps out there that are that are more accessible too. It's given people who would not typically consider therapy mm-hmm. new options and a low point of entry. And telehealth was much harder to um, get access to prior to COVID. And so I think that's really been an interesting silver lining um, this past year. Is it going to solve some of the more um, kind of challenging issues around affordable care and access? It doesn't for people who are are really uh, struggling. You know, I think, you know, as as humans who all have mental health, again, just as we would physical health, I, I like to say that a lot because I think people forget that our brains are another organ and mm-hmm. just like some people struggle with um, high blood pressure or cholesterol or heart disease, our brains need, need support and attention too. So I always kind of lean into this mental health is just as important as physical health and we have to care for it the same way. And so I, I think until um, there's more um, attention through policy put on mental health and funding attached to mental health for all, um, we still have a long way to go, but it, we're making progress and that feels feels you know, like a, this is an important moment to just give a shout out to those telehealth and, and different um, what I would call self-care apps that we're able to um, access through our, through our phones. Um, it, it's really about reaching people early mm-hmm. and often long before the crisis and the more comfortable they become now with telehealth and these other the, the other options, the more likely they are to access um, uh, resources when they're really, really not in a great place. Yeah, I know. I think that's really excellent points. You know, this sort of that, that low point of, you know, barrier to entry with, with, you know, apps, you know, so people can, um, at least sort of start kind of dipping their toes in. And then I, I love that point that you've made a, a couple times about sort of reaching them early and often before a crisis and how critical that is for mental health. Do you have any advice on what, you know, a lot of our, our listeners here today are employed, either, you know, they're employers, they're obviously friends and family um, folks as well. Is there any advice that you can give to people um, in terms of how they can ensure that they're, you know, they're, that for both themselves and for the people around them, that they're reaching them early and often before there is a crisis? Sure. You know, as an individual, I, one of the easiest things to do is just trust your gut. If if a friend or a family member or workplace colleague doesn't isn't behaving like themselves, reach out and, and connect with them and ask how they're doing and how you can help support them and and really just listening and being available and, and kind of staying connected um, makes a big difference. But if you you know if you don't see changes or things don't seem to be getting better, um, there are resources, free resources available 24 
seven, there's the crisis text line. Um, you can just um, enter um, hello and or um, I forget which one we use, but enter hello and then text seven four one seven four one. Um, there's also the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. That's one eight hundred two seven five talk, um, and they're available twenty four seven, free, anonymous, and um, we'll have a um, a crisis resource on the other end to help. Um, but you know, for workplaces, one thing that has been been really um, terrific to see, and kind of another silver lining during COVID is how many workplaces are really putting an emphasis on mental health um, benefits and support in the workplace. And that's been very, very new too. I, it, I definitely saw it before COVID, um, but during this past year, during 2020, even more so um, with real intention behind creating wellness days or mental health days, um, making sure that mental health was a was an insurance option or benefit, part of a benefit package. You've seen more workplaces giving space for conversations about mental health as part of an HR, like lunch and learn um, commitment, you know, in conversation within the workplace. So I, I, I am seeing real changes there, and I think for workplaces to make that commitment to their employees, we're going to be we're going to begin to see more and more of that um, in the coming year and and beyond. Um, yeah, so uh, going um, looking specifically at that issue for for our industry for PR and communications, and 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 I'd love to hear both of your perspectives on this. One of the things that I've heard from folks in our space over the last twelve months is. You know, given how brutal the news cycle has been over the last 12 months, right, whether we're talking about mass death, we're talking about racial violence, we're talking about political unrest, um, we're in a business where we don't have the luxury to unplug, right? We can't say, I'm going to just turn off and tune out the, what's, you know, the news cycle because that's, that's part of our jobs. So what advice would you give for folks in our business that, you know, that, taking that space is, is not necessarily an option and they do sort of have to be, um, they have to expose themselves to everything that's happening, um, even if it does, you know, feel like, you know, overwhelming. Yeah, I, I think, um, especially at Allison and Partners, we're having a lot of conversations and being very thoughtful in the way we talk to all of our employees about, you know, truly unplugging when you're taking PTO in the evenings, um, certainly drawing some boundaries around client communication when you can. I mean, if there's an emergency, obviously, we're, we're kind of live and ready to help, but, you know, making sure emails, you know, because we're, we're being contacted on every medium right now, right? Phone, laptops, practically coming to our door with, with uh, ringing our doorbells with news. Um, but, you know, being very purposeful in communications and I think having managers be very well trained in how to protect the time of people that report to them, um, telling people and training them how to kind of push back when they can. Um, it's all within reason, I think, but it's, it's very possible. And I think when people really do get that opportunity, they come back with great ideas, you know, refreshed, Morale improves, um, so it really has to be, I think, a conscious effort across the organization um, in any industry, really. Mm -hmm. 
So the, the, uh, the other piece of this is, of course, social media, right? And I would really love to get both your perspectives on that. I mean, because on one hand, social media has enabled marginalized people to find communities, right? And, and that's been really healthy. And then, of course, we all know very well, like all of the negative impacts of social media, you know, whether it's comparison, you know, comparing yourself to other people or, you know, having superficial contacts and not really fostering um, deep and meaningful relationships. So, you know, uh, you know Stephanie, uh, you know, this might be a good question for you in terms of how you've seen social media sort of impact um, mental health and, and what sort of advice do you give to people in terms of how they can engage with social media in, in a healthy way. And again, sp specific to our industry, again, this is an industry where disengaging on social media isn't always an option. It's important for people to um, kind of be, a, be attuned to what's happening, you know, both culturally with their, with the brands that they represent. Um, so yeah, I'd love to get your, your take on social. Sure. So, you know, I think social is good and bad. I think social is a great way for, for people to stay connected to what's meaningful to them and the people in their lives that um, bring them um, comfort or joy or, or hope or, or whatever that might be for them. Um, I think for people in our field, it is important to unplug. And I would say that there are times to do that strategic, you know, for yourself, um, whether that's in the evening or there, there was a time, I come from an agency background myself. I spent 20 years in agency before I came to AFSP. And sometimes it was about you know, taking the morning to not listen to the news and just tune in in the evenings. Sometimes it was about taking on my days off, unplugging on those days. So I do think there's room to do that. I also think you know, in my work at AFSP, I'm now working very closely with the social good team at Facebook and Instagram and and also Twitter. And, and now we've added uh, TikTok to that list. And their teams are putting in place um, new tools and resources and a process for helping people who may be struggling um, on their platforms. And they are also putting in safeguards that flag content that might be more um, triggering for somebody that's not in a great place. And so even as a, even for those um, platforms, I think they're really um, trying to find new ways of making those spaces safer. But I I hear you. There is not a perfect fix. And for those, you know, for those in our in our industry, in the PR industry, um, I I just remind you that self-care is important. Mm -hmm. Take time out to eat well, to exercise, to meditate, to journal, you know, whatever brings you peace of mind and space in your life, um, you know, use those moments that you can. I, you know, I find that my days are full of Zoom meetings right now. For some, for some Zoom meetings, you know, I give myself and my team permission to be off camera. You know, before the COVID, we were not all seeing each other 24-7. We had 
we had space where we just had conference calls. And so I, I really try to give permission for that. If I find that I have a 30 minute break in my day, because I'm sitting in front of my computer all day, I have my slip on tennis shoes right beside my desk. I put them on and run around um, my complex here where I'm, I'm living right now and get in a quick 10, 15 minute, just walk with some fresh air. So I do think there are things that we can do even when we can't unplug from social media. So you know, take those moments and really um, try to find some space for yourself. It's important. You know, that's been one of the inspiring things I've seen. I, I did a piece recently, a four-part series on um, asking people, this was women in particular, on how they've gotten through the last 12 months. Because obviously we know that, you know, the, the, the pandemic has sort of disproportionately impacted women. And what was really inspiring was all of these little hacks that people found. I, one, one woman was talking to me about this 10 a.m. walk that she does, and she protects it. She protects this on her calendar. And 10 a.m., she, 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 she just needs that. Um, you know, some, there was a CEO of an agency that said to me that she does a movie with her, with her young children at two o'clock on Fridays. And she makes sure that everybody knows that. So they know that they should take that too. Like they, you know, people that are balancing parenting and during this pandemic, they've been hit really, really hard. So I, I love how people have been able to find these, these ways of self-care and how employers have really embraced that as part of the pandemic and has realized that, you know, people should, you know, find those ways that, that work for them. And it won't be universal, right? If you have children versus not, versus mm -hmm. whether you're, you know, what kind of environment you're living in, it's, it's going to be different. Um, you know, I, Michelle, this might be a good question for you in terms of like, are, is there anything that brands can do, you know, is your counseling brands to um, ensure, um, you know, that they're addressing maybe in, in whatever way they can mental health or suicide mm -hmm. prevention? Yeah, I think, you know, interesting announcement from Nike today it just came out kind of, you know, uh, putting some some backing behind mental health for their own employees. I think as an employer, as a brand, um, you know, employees have never been more important. They're obviously your, your number one advocate. So making sure that's part of the benefits package um, here at Allison Partners, we I think every employee has access to Calm. We have a Wellness Wednesday, um, you know, and, and I think brands large and small can be doing that internally, making sure they're communicating about it. Um, in terms of, you know, grand gestures by brands in, in the marketplace, uh, you know, we're seeing a lot of that. I think that, you know, there is some real um, investment that can go towards programs, partnerships, uh, making sure that people have access to services, you know, transportation, jumping in on some of this as well, getting people rides to providers. Um, so there's some really interesting things going on, I think, kind of all across the board. So, you know, I, we, we have to wrap up. So it's kind of my closing question is going to be sort of a two part. And one is, you know, we have gone through a, 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 a major trauma collectively, right, globally, but also, you know, I think it's been really country specific, right? Every, every country's had a different experience. So how can we collectively sort of process the trauma of, of, of this, global, you know, this global pandemic? And also how can we ensure that the, the momentum continues, that, you know, as we crawl out of this, we continue to prioritize mental health and we continue to these, these conversations that for many people started during this pandemic. Um, so I will, I, will, I will open that up to both of you to sort of address um, sort of as our, as our closing statement. Sure, I, I can start. You know, I think about the work at AFSP and in particular, I'm thinking about this 
you know, amazing relationship we've had with Allison and Partners A&P over the last, gosh, I guess it's been five years, four or five years now. I get lost in the COVID year, but it's um, I where I think the opportunity is is continuing to tell the stories of people who have found purpose and resilience and their learnings through this. And so, uh, you know, for the work that we're doing together, A&P and AFSP, I find that when we're able to lean into our, what we call our content experts, those clinical perspectives at, at AFSP, and when we're able to lean into the personal stories of people from all backgrounds um, here in the States and abroad, who have similar mental health challenges and different challenges, if, if we're all collectively continuing to, to open up that dialogue and that conversation, I think we'll, we'll see change. I, you know, Michelle mentioned policy changes earlier. You know, at AFSP, we have um, a public policy team in DC, but we also have what we call field advocates that are based in every community or within every state nationwide. And every year they um, go to their state capitals and advocate for legislation around mental health and suicide prevention. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important that we continue to do that. I, you know, and it's my hope that change will, will will continue to happen. I, I think there, again, progress has really been made in the last year, but I've seen a big shift in the seven years I've been at AFSP, mm-hmm. and in particular, the work that, that AMP and AFSP have been doing together. It just our monthly kind of effort to get the word out and to kind of shape that dialogue. Um, we, we're seeing change happen right before us. It's really great. Right, right. No, and I think that's a great point. And like, I mean, like I said, from, from my vantage, I, I, I saw this happening before the pandemic and that just accelerated it, which gives me a lot of hope. Yeah, that, yeah this is um, a long-term cultural shift. Um, Michelle, did you want to uh, address? Yeah, that? sure. Um, so I think Stephanie brought up a great point about storytelling, right? You can have the best mental health product, uh, content, et cetera. But if you can't connect with people, um, you know, it's going to make it all that much harder to really bring that message home and and give someone the inspiration they need or, you know, the kind of light bulb moment they they need to go out and seek help or, you know, just, you know, start a conversation. So, you know, really making sure that we're creating stories in this highly regulated industry for so many, um, you know, an industry that's been pretty bad at it for, for a while. A lot of, a lot of folks are emerging as, you know, real kings of content here, but um, making sure that we are connecting with people, using real people's stories, bringing solutions to scale that can really make an impact, whether that's through technology or otherwise. Um, but I think when it really comes down to it, it's about people and empathy and, and um, you know, growing stronger together. Mm-hmm. Right, I, I just that- say one other thing too, you know, one of our, our chief medical officer, Dr. Christine Moutier, she's also been training clinicians and primary care doctors 
in terms of asking the tough questions about mental health and really building that into the conversation that they're having with patients. And I think that's another avenue. Um, so, it's, you know, while the work that we're doing as PR advocates and communicators, I think that's one piece, but then there are all of these other collective pieces happening at the same time that are working in concert with one another. And I just think the more that we focus on that, the, the stronger we'll continue to be. Stephanie, I'm glad you brought that up. I and mean, I think integrating mental health with sort of these, these physical health, which, which, you know, there's, there's, there's so much education and information about getting your, getting your mammograms, you know, going for annual checkups, getting your, you know, lipid panels, whatever it might be. And, and to have, you know, physicians talking to their patients about sort of these mental health checks seems like a critical piece that was missing for a long time. Um, so I, I'm, I'm glad that you, you touched on that. Well, this, I mean, of course, is such an important topic and it's something that we, I, I'm glad to kind of put a spotlight on it in May, but I think it's a conversation, of course, we should be having year round, especially for our industry. It's a very high stress industry that, you know, um, that you know, it's, de it's deadline driven. There's client service. I mean, it's 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 just a high stress environment. I think one of isn't it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that mo sometimes the most stressful jobs PR is always like listed on the top five, right? Um, so so this is a conversation that I, I try to have year round because I think our industry needs it. Um, so but but I, I'm glad to you know kind of give it some extra attention this month. So thank you, Michelle, and thank you, Stephanie, for coming onto the show today and talking about this. And I'm quite excited to you know kick off this series um, on this on the perspectives um, on the future of health. Um, I'm sure we'll be back soon with another episode. Um, so thanks again. And I want to thank also our production partners, Marketeers. Um, and again, we'll be back soon with another episode. Thank you. Thank you both. You have been listening to the Provoke podcast brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialists, Marketeers. Support for this podcast comes from Notified, the integrated, intelligent, and easy-to-use PR software. Get a free demo today at notified.com.